On this episode of Ruzzy Week, we talk Vanco's supply chain, stop selling products, and ProSource ads sales training. All this and more on this episode of Ruzzy Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 391. Pay attention. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is the weekly roundup of your latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Seth Johnson. He is a software development manager over at Blackwire. How you doing, my friend? Doing, doing well, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. Even better since you're wearing your shirt. The Florida man shirt. There the is. Florida man shirt, not just. It even has shirt. an alligator on it. Like, <laughs> how how much more stereotypical can it be? I love it. Uh, then we've got Chad Russell. He's the director of sales for residential over at Amatech. How you doing, Chad? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me today. Good to see you. Oh, thank you for being here. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this right off with the story that will not die. Uh, supply chain issues. Uh, this is a really good Q and A from CE Pro. Uh, with the president uh, of uh, Vanco, Mark Corbin, um, going over kind of some of the things that uh, that Vanco and Beale Street and Pulse and Evolution, the those those companies underneath Vanco, did throughout the pandemic and the supply chain aspect of that uh, to try and do everything they could to maintain uh, not only. Uh, the quest for quality awards that they continually win, um, but also obviously to try and keep their dealers happy and out there in the field able to work, supplying them with product. Seth, let me let me start with you on this. This is a it's a great little interview, and it, again, Mark hits on all of the things that we would expect him to hit on. Right? Is there anything in here that stood out to you, also kind of as a distributor? Um, that that they did that you guys maybe in hindsight wish you had or wish the industry had uh or is there anything out there that that you guys did that you didn't see mentioned here no i I think one of the last things you talked about was not having a crystal ball and not predicting any of this so it was (laughs) it was a weird time i mean we were we were kind of coming off the 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 point uh i think there were some there were some trade issues that came up and then there were like tariffs that got introduced it was all a mess anyway. And then all of a sudden we get hit with a pandemic. So it, it, it just kind of, kind of like snowballed into this thing that everybody was just kind of sitting around and, and caught squarely on their heels with. And um, I, I, I thought it was interesting how uh, I, I think this is, it, it's always interesting to hear how manufacturers in particular reacted to this. Cause we were seeing it as like, well, we just can't buy something. Or if we see like 150 of something come in, we'll just buy them all up as fast as we can. Um, but from the manufacturer standpoint, they're kind of doing the same thing, but with little parts and pieces, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're in here. He was saying how he, they, they purchased a bunch of, um, you know, their chips or some chipsets or something they needed to make all their products. So they'd have like a six month supply and they also had larger, like higher levels of inventory than they, they had in the past, which I kind of thought was interesting because if we remember in the before times, like everything we were doing was like a just in time delivery, right? Like yeah. everything everything we had to do was like, Oh, I need this. I'll just get it tomorrow off Amazon or I'll just have it shipped from China and it'll be here in like two days. You know, it's like, it's amazing how, how 
like susceptible to any little bump in the road that just in time, not that like the entire pandemic was a bump in the road, but like how any, <laughs> how, how something like that kind of like just threw that entire system out the window. And now we're, now we're holding on to stock. Now we're holding on to, uh, you know, levels that we, we did not have pre pandemic. Yeah, that's a good point. Chad, how does this, how does this play out? Has this played out? Are we still dealing with this? How, how do integrators or, or manufacturers for that matter move forward with this, right? Like, I feel like we've talked about this to death, but at the same time, as we alluded to ahead of the show and, and heck, I didn't even think about it. I'm leaving as soon as we're done this to go to retail to pick up a TV because we can't wait any longer on one. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that our industry is, you know, residential in particular is terrible at giving realistic forecasts to manufacturers. I think that we don't give any sort of um, insight to our manufacturer partners um, in terms of pipeline, what we have going, mm -hmm. where it is, what's going on. I know the D-Tools and whatnot has been working on trying to get better visibility on that. They're, they've got some resources in there, and, and they've talked about that at some of the uh, buying group trade shows that we've been to. But I think that really, it, if you can give any sort of better timeline and just get your orders in sooner, but that just doesn't seem to happen. And of course, there's always that thing that happens on every project. Yeah, let's go ahead and finish the backyard. Yeah, let's add the game room. Let's do this. And so we're always going to have those sorts of issues. But I think that the way that the integrator can help is to try to get better visibility on projects that they have forthcoming. Because I mean, most integrators know, I mean, come on, guys, you guys know that you closed this project 18 months ago you know, and now you're getting all your ducks in a row. You've gone through the pre-wire. You've gotten through the trim. You know that your final is going to get bumped out there a little bit. But, you know, when these orders do come in and they say they need it in three weeks, sometimes that's tough. And when the perfect storm comes on us as a manufacturer, you know, it's happened to us in a few situations. We've been able to kind of shift things around. And, you know, for us on the Surgex side, it, we, we are in a situation where you're going to start seeing all of that go away because we've, but we've gone and forecasted aggressively. But of course, then we go out, sales teams hit the streets, we start getting more stuff in, and then we're going to go through that inventory and we'll probably be back in the situation again without better foresight coming in from the integrator side. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from a residential systems. Stop selling products from uh, Katie McGregor Bennett, a good friend of the show. Um, you're probably initially thinking, well, yeah, of course not. Um, that being said, we still do this all the time. <laughs> we continually, uh, go through the process of, of selling products and, and boxes opposed to experiences, no matter how many times we hear about it. Katie covers some really good points in trying to drive that conversation though, from the get go, uh, even before they walk in the door, Chad, let me, let me start with you on this. Is it easier to sell, you know, a, a, an actual experience? Is it easier to sell a product? I, I, I've, I always, I fully understand this question, right? And, and this article and the desire to sell uh, an experience opposed to a box. <laughs> but at the same time, it is easier said than done. Well, I think there's a few things 
where you've kind of seen the migration away from these large experience-based locations, that these destination points where the consumer used to go, learn about things, see it, look at it, sit down, and you have that opportunity to give a real demo. And it's moved really to the, the core of our channel, which is that conference room sale where you're sitting down, you're building it all. And, you, and so, a lot of integrators don't really have that. You're starting to see a resurgence of it through some rep firms and even some distributors building these cool rooms and such. But I guess the real thing is how do you get that experience back in front of the consumer to make them want that? And I think that there needs to be an investment by our guys. And that's kind of a struggle sometimes to get their showroom or office, let's say it's not even a showroom, it's an office and turn that into an experiential area. And, you know, oftentimes how do you have that how do you have that Ferrari experience in a Volkswagen to environment as well? Right. And so I think that, 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 you know, Katie did bring up some really good points in there. And I think that a lot, for the most part, the industry is doing a good job on really differentiating and not trying to sell the boxes. Um, you know, I selfishly, I kind of look the back and I, I do the same thing. I mean, it's a great article and it goes through all the things that you're supposed to do. But I think that really that the integrator needs to find ways to get people in front of them. That's where I used to excel in selling the large scale projects and the large scale theaters and that better projector, the better everything is you need to have, be able to differentiate it. People need to sit down and do exactly what, what Katie talks about and that's feel, touch and experience it. So it's kind of the challenge in my opinion. Seth, let me, let me ask you this because I think this is the forgotten aspect of this conversation or anytime this conversation comes up it's not just the integrator that's involved in this, right? You also have whoever you're selling to. And so often that client, they kind of just want to talk about the box, whether it's the TV, whether it's the projector, whether it's heck the, the golf simulation room, they just want to talk about the box. They don't want to have that for lack of a better term, that flowery conversation about how nice will it be when you walk into the simulator and a single light is glowing on the tee box. They don't care. They want to talk about um, the foresight for the, uh, the swing monitor. That's what they want to talk about. How do, you, how do you get away from selling the box when that's what the client wants to talk about? Yeah, I think it just kind of, this all kind of goes back to the basics. It's, it's excelling the experience excelling in, and selling the solutions, right? So for that box to be part of the, the whole solution of a golf simulator, um, like you're going to have to have wire run from point A to point B. You're going to have to have some of those. I'm not sure what that one, but you have to have special lighting, right? You have to have all sorts of, I'm not very, I'm rusty on golf sims right now, but like you, you have to, um, you, you have to have certain elements built into the room that, aren't normal. And to have just a single conversation about one particular box in the room, I guess some people do get hung up on that. Typically it's TVs, right? The mm -hmm. TV or the projector. Um, though, and, and those kind of things, it is a sit down and, and you have to show it um, situation. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. We're having this conversation. We just, um, we just wrapped up on another, like, it's like, a, I'm a, I was a guest on another podcast and we wrapped up this kind of theater build for a consumer and, and we had uh, some CD guys on, we had myself and we were, we were just kind of going back and forth and he was dead set on getting a particular Sony projector. Like, and 
you know, our, the expert, uh, Owen Maddock of, of Cinema Works over in the UK, he, he was he was saying, hey, for the distance and the screen size, you're probably going to want to end up with a bigger Sony projector. And there's a big difference. We know the two Sony projectors we're talking about. Um, he had to go see it. And once he saw it, it was, yeah, you, you're going to cry once on that price. But he, he ended up getting the bigger projector because he needed it. Um, but it was a matter of seeing it and 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 getting in there and 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 figuring out like if you if you're not demoing what you're trying to sell, um, people aren't aren't they don't have that experience in their day to day life. Mm-hmm. So if you're not demoing the high end Sony with the you know a nice sound system, people aren't going to experience experience that anywhere else. They're not going to understand what you're talking about. They have no relation to the product that they're talking about and see the specs on the website to the experience or the solution that you're going to provide. So what I'm hearing is bring back showrooms. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it's, there's gotta be some way of doing it, right? Like it's, it's, there, there's, I don't know of a way of not of, of putting somebody into a theater situation and, 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 and like, okay, pretend to be wild. <laughs> I'm going to show you a picture of pictures, a series of pictures on my iPad here. Like, I just don't know of another way to do it. Um, a, a demo showroom is does go a long way to get people to uh, cross that line. Yeah. They may not want to cross. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I ever really sold too many of the six or $700,000 solution I presented, but what I sold a lot of was the 75 or hundred thousand dollar solution. Yep. And yep. so, you know, you got to still have best in class and go for it. And, you know, I'm all for it. That's what makes that also is what kind of gets that whole, group of new people interested in this industry as well. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a really big point. All right, gentlemen, let's change topics again. This comes to us from residential tech today and a good friend of the show, Jeremy Glowacki ProSource introduces a sales playbook and training pathway for the CI channel. Uh, it was specifically designed to help onboard junior salespeople and industry outsiders through uh, their own ProSource university to uh, not only help their members attract and retain some sales talent. Uh, read through the article and you can even link to uh, the, the sales playbook there. Uh, I think you can buy it by itself, but if you're a member, it's, it's available when you log in. Um, very, very cool. Seth, let me, let me start with you on this one. Is sales the overlooked training that that we really just don't do enough of within the industry yeah i mean do we do any training yet yes i think it, <laughs> i'm just like uh, oh, just get me in a trouble. loaded question yeah, i know i know it wasn't that loaded <laughs> uh yeah i mean for the most part when we're excited about going to uh, a manufacturer's training or you're going into some kind of uh like a, a rep rep training or something like that and looking over to the new products you're looking at all the bells and whistles and all the specs and all that kind of thing so yeah learning how to how to actually turn those specs and numbers that we care about into the products experiences and solutions that the consumer is going to care about is definitely overlooked and i think it's something that you kind of at least i kind of didn't have any formal training on some basics you know i had the basics back from the retail days with circuit city back then you know before that caught on fire but the 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 like the basics the, the basics only get you so far and, and especially when you start de- stop dealing with you know the people that like me who would walk into circuit city and start dealing with hiring clients that that have different preferences and and and, and motivations to buying what they want to buy so yeah i absolutely think that uh, the uh, 
this is a great idea <laughs> to have just a basic sales training. I, I always wondered how you would do this. Like, how do you bring in people um, that have no, you know, may not even know what an access point is and get them to sell a networking system? Like, how do you, how do you do that? So um, this is a great idea. I, I hope to see more of it and see more, you know, more things like that pop up in the industry. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's a really good point. Chad, I'm, I'm incredibly happy that you're here because you are a national sales director. How often, when we talk about sales in the industry, right? How often is that conversation focused on the, the sales points, if you will, of that product or that manufacturer or that line opposed to actual like, hey, here's how you sell to someone. Here's how you connect with someone and get to the point where you can go ahead and actually ask for that sale. So um, it's that's okay. So when I came into the industry, <laughs> when I came into the industry, um, I was part of I was part of a, something in high school that was uh, kind of like gave you some foundational pieces in that, but. Then I was like kind of going through this. I, my first, you know, similar to you, Seth, I, I came into this from a, a big box mover. My, it was incredible universe. And so it was like I was a division of Tandy Corporation. And we were part of this whole process of opening the store. And for the first two weeks, they gave us the first week was actual sales training in terms mm -hmm. of qualifications going through and every step of every step of the way on how to engage in conversation, how to find out why they're there, how to apply that to their needs, and then go through needs analysis and get through all of that and find the solution and then ask for the sale. That was the first week. Then it was sales training. And then we went through all of the sales training on all the products and all of this. And then you blended all that together and made a whole thing. And then over the years, What's happened is now that I've kind of gone through and applied those principles for many years. And then now I take this as you said into a national sales piece. Now what I do is I kind of try to blend all that together. And the only thing that really matters to me is the sales training side, because if someone's excited about it, they'll be able to articulate it and explain it and kind of go through that process. But you're right. Are we as an industry giving those foundational uh philosophies and understandings to the salespeople as they move through or you know some of the best integrators out there have absolutely no sales training and they only go in and they're very i think they miss a lot of sales opportunities but on the same note they have a client retention forever and they mm -hmm. sell things that fundamentally work in the field and they don't have problems installing it because you get into a sales situation where your sales guy took some creative liberties, as I like to call them, and said, oh, yeah, we can do that. Oh, yeah. And it's like some of the best things you can ever say. And the thing that I don't think anybody teaches, and you have to lose some things in order to learn this, and that is learning when to say no to your client. We can't do that. And because you know you get excited, someone's spending a bunch of money. It's your first big project. You want to do this, your client. You don't want to tell your client no because you don't want to lose them. But sometimes, the best thing you can do for your client is tell them why they shouldn't do that and tell them why you should do it this other way. And I think that it's it's a delicate dance of all of the fundamental pieces. And it's like yeah. where does it start? And I hope that this pro source piece is a good foundational piece for these for these new salespeople to understand that. And then 
turn it over to us for the other things. And then maybe, maybe my sales train, maybe my training should incorporate a little bit more of that other stuff that we're just talking about. Maybe that's a missed opportunity, you know? So I, I had a, um, or I, I should say, I have a client who is a national sales director for a multinational, uh, it company. And he's, he's their VAR, um, sales director. So he goes and, and sells to the big IT firms um, and, and sales companies that everyone would know if I mentioned them. And when I met him years and years and years ago, we walked, we sat down and we're, you know, I'm going through my pitch. I'm losing my microphone, um, but I'm going through my pitch and going through my pitch. He's sitting there, he's smiling, just being super friendly and took it out, took the quote, signed it. We did the project. We're wrapping up. I'm shaking hands with them, you know, a couple of days after that. And I, I'm very green in it. And he looks at me and he goes, listen, we're going to go to lunch. I'm like, okay, cool. Sure. When do you want to go? And I, I'm not picking up at all. And he goes, and I'm going to teach you some sales stuff because I bought from you because I like you, but you are a terrible salesman and no one will buy from you. <laughs> and I just did the, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> And we go, and not that I thought I was great, but I didn't think I was that bad. Long and short, we go to lunch and he hands me this book and I'm, I'm trying to remember what it's called and I can't, but if I find it, I'll, I'll post about it. Uh, but he hands me this book. He's like, all right, we're going to go to lunch a week from now, go read the book, come back and we'll talk. And I'm like, this is the weird, like you're my client. What is going on? Long and short, go home, read the book, come back, sit down. And he starts essentially training me how to sell. And he, we worked through it and, and he's still a really good friend of mine now. Um, but we had this, we had this one specific conversation where he goes, you know, anybody can learn specs and things and, and, and stuff about what you're selling. That's not hard. Anybody can learn about a vehicle um, if they want to sell a vehicle, but they can't necessarily relate to you and then have you go, yeah, I want to buy from you. And that was the, in, in our company, that was the big turning point for me was learning a little bit on how to actually sell. And it, it's not necessarily as dirty as a lot of people try to make that industry out to be as far as like the salesman industry. But it's, it, it, it's crazy to me that every sales meeting I've ever been in, whether it's one-on-one -on -one with a rep or at an expo or at anything else. It's very focused. It's always extremely focused just on the, the vendor's product. So the, the kind of the last question I wanted to ask both of you, one of you, whatever. Um, we continually hear in the industry that, that we have to learn how to not speak tech so much, right? Cause someone will ask you about a projector that they want and you will get into color space calculations, right? Typically that's, that's where that goes. Um, have we done this to ourselves as a channel and is there a way forward? I, I, I don't know if it's what we've done for as a channel. I think it's just something that we gravitate to because that's the way our minds work. And our, we're thinking, we're thinking about that stuff. We want to know that uh, the number four in the 4k is, 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 is bigger than 1080p and like 
our clients aren't going to understand that 1080 is bigger than four. How does that work? And then, you know, you got 4K, 8K. We want to know the bigger numbers. We got Wi-Fi 5, we've got Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 7 is around the corner. Like that's, that's on us. Like we like that stuff. We like all those technical details. Our clients, you know, they're not, they don't care. <laughs> they just want this stuff to work. Um, and they want it to be reliable for, for use in their everyday life. And uh, when it breaks, they want to have somebody to call and, and yell at or have it fixed and that kind of stuff. And it, it's, it's, yeah, we, we've done a little bit of that to ourselves, but it's something you can easily break out of. If you just remember, like, the client doesn't need or want to know all that. And if they do, you have that information readily available. It's, it's right in your back pocket, right? Pull it out and start <laughs> talking. But most of the times, they're not looking to know the difference between 1080p and 4K. They don't care. They just want to have a nice beautiful picture and it's got to look better than the neighbors. Yeah, it's true. I'm with you there. You know, it's, um, I think that, you know, can we do it? Yeah. Just quit talking about that stuff and start trying to be their, not necessarily their friend, but just ask the questions of what they want, get to understand budgets, get to understand exactly what they're listening and pay attention. You know, I had, um, actually one of the CEOs of Kroger at one point, um, he is buying some $20 million house in Aspen. And this is a house that I'd put about 300 K worth of infrastructure in for lighting shades and, you know, hardly any AV. And I knew from this interior designer that they're putting in a half million dollar fixture and the fan in the foyer and all this. And so I'm going through with my proposals, talking to him about what it is. And I ended up not getting the project. And at the end of it, I asked him why I didn't. And he shot me back a really lengthy email, but in summary, what it said mm -hmm. was I didn't listen to what he was saying. And, you know, it was, um, it was valuable. It was invaluable to me that I, that he took the time to tell me that. And, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, throughout, throughout my career that I've learned from, and, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, they don't care, know your audience, pay attention. If they're glazing over, they're glazing over. Cause not, you're not talking about what's relevant to them. Stay in the feel good area about the experiences and you know, how you can build on that. Right. So I think that, you know, ultimately there's some interesting things and it's, you know, the other thing, you know, that when you're speaking earlier, um, <clears throat> on the previous question, one thing that popped into my head was one of my, that when your client took you out and, and talked about the sales yeah. stuff, one of my clients, I was sitting there at the final, it was my first big project. It was only like a hundred K project. It was like my first big thing, graduating college and going into doing this stuff in Arizona. And I'm going through it and he pops down this proposal on his, on his, his coffee table. And of course the tickers up and we're doing the final on what I thought was the greatest system ever. And he's like, I just think I have to do it. And it's for my Aspen house. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I open it up. And of course, Dave Rafe, Paragon, opened up front page, $495,000. And I'm like, what did I miss? It's like, for I, I just all of a sudden just dawned on me how bad I was at this, right? And mm -hmm. it's why I, I kind of similar to your situation where your client took you out. My client didn't take me out to lunch. He popped down the information in front of me. I opened the front page and realized I was an idiot, which was great. You know, so it changed my, my whole perspective. And I think that mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot for all of us to learn every day and just pay attention and know things and, and continue to evolve. And you know, this, this is a good conversation for me, too. I need to evolve and not maybe not talk about the, my products as much, maybe get into the stuff you're talking about. <laughs> 
No, I'm sure you're fine. All right, let's wrap it there. Thank you both so much. Uh, Chad, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Amatech, where can they do that? Chad.Russell at Amatech.com. Um, and you can reach out to me anytime and I'll respond as quickly as possible. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Mr. Johnson, thank you for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Blackwire Design, where can they do that? You can check us out at uh, blackwiredesigns.com and we'll be at CEDIA this year, booth Yay. 4304. Yay. Excellent. All right, gentlemen, thank you again uh, for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time for this episode of Resi Week. 